Welcome to SideQuests, your high-octane distraction from every other podcast. We're a pen and paper RPG audio show featuring chatter about rules and how to master them, epic world-building, player investment, and interviews of the people who make the games you love. Listen in as we trade tabletop war stories, make judgment calls on odd situations, and do everything we can to give you more RPG resources than you could dream of, all from a simple side quest. I am your paladin of podcast, Craig, and with me... I'm Paladin Eli. Uh, today I had a banshee scream of an intro and nearly killed Rob. Paladin oh my God. Rob, I should say. Thanks, Eli. Yeah, so after a near heart attack, and I know our users can't, I'm sorry, users, our, our listeners can't see us. Craig gave somebody a cue, but his screen is different than everybody else's, so nobody knows where they point. <laughs> <laughs> we might want to just put cards on toothpicks at this point. We'll just hold them up. We'll be, ah. we, need, we need colored flags. Dude, for sure. For sure. Craig's like, oh my God, shut up, Rob. Any an order. <laughs> just, we just have an order. That's a, that's a solution. <laughs> All right, fine. It's, it is what it is. Uh, so funny thing for, the, for our listeners is that we're going to jump right back into this conversation we were having. And Craig, you were talking about how you had just kind of had a session zero. Uh, Eli joked that it was double zero because you hadn't finished. And I was super curious on what you're doing because you said slow roll until after the new year to get fully um, knee deep in this. And that is the scheduling conflict that everybody seems to have between November 1st till after January 1st is the holiday season. What do you guys do? So yeah, so so I am um, I'm soon to be starting up a uh, sort of sandbox style game. I'm using Worlds Without Number. Um, I got four players, and we're doing it in original setting. So there's a lot of information to transfer. Um, I don't want to give them a giant info dump. I don't want to hand them a 50 page you know setting bible and say you know good luck to, to tell me when your character is done. It just seems mean. Also, Oops. nobody will read that. Um, yep. So we have uh, we only play every two weeks, uh, schedules being what they are. And so the first uh, first session zero was this past Saturday. And we started talking about um, the individual facets of the campaign setting, because one of the most important elements is that the players uh, have goals, that the, the campaign is very player directed. At the end of every session, they say, OK, next time we want to go do X. We want to go to this weird place. We want to go pursue this uh, this machination against this guy we don't like. Something like that. And then I spend the next week writing this stuff, and I hand it to him. The game is well-suited to, to do that kind of stuff. Um, so if they don't have very clear goals, if they don't have good context for the campaign, that's going to be very difficult uh, for them to even know what they can do, let alone the fun part of how to do it or what happens after. Um and so we slow rolled it because, you know, why cram all that down someone's throat in, you know, a mere three or four hours? That's that's overwhelming. Um, let's consider it. This is fair. Let's consider it, too. Um, <laughs> but the holidays are coming up and we only play every two weeks. And so this is sort of something that always comes up every year. You know, the holidays roll around Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year, all this stuff comes together. Um, and you, you got to accommodate for it. You can't just be like, why didn't you show up? And they'll be like. Because it's December twenty third, my man. Like what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yep. <clears throat> I don't. I don't know. That people go on vacation. I think it's it's difficult to do anything but just say like, okay, we'll we'll see you later. But uh, the, the more interesting question to me about that is, how do you maintain a sense of continuity, assuming, of course, that you're not going to say, you know, you will show up. And I don't think we're like that. Well, like, what do you do? Yeah, what's your deal? Part of the success of my long-running uh, online game is that we 
we always meet regardless of if we're playing the RPG or, or not. Um, we have like a quorum. So if we have X number of players there, then we can play the main campaign and we'll advance. Uh, if there are less players, then if I have something like some quick adventure prepared, we might run a like a protege adventure where it's all their all the main characters kind of coterie of followers, and they go up, they go off and do something and kind of gain experience points or explore more about the world. Um, I do or test out an encounter that I wanted to try out or a monster I created for that um, group. You test the encounter with the group you're going to run it for eventually. Oh, that makes it that makes it a lot better uh, because if. Because then they know a little <laughs> bit more about the like about the monster coming into it. Because then it mean then the then the monster is almost ingrained into the world's lore, as opposed to just being oh it's a crazy new monster. Or they're like because if it like wipes out their proteges and they're like oh my goodness we've heard about this creature. Um, and then, Can I? Oh, interesting. Okay, so it's not literally the encounter, but if you're writing a monster, you might run it for their sort of side group, and. Okay, and that's like, oh yeah, that that's a thing that exists. That's actually kind of a neat twist. I hadn't considered that. We also kind of like we almost treat it like a like a test environment too, because like that's also where we like if we're gonna bring in a new house rule or a new way of doing things, then we'll try in a protege adventure. Um, and then if they like it, then they can apply it to the main because then it's like sometimes proteges they don't care about and they'll just be like throw them into crazy situations or test out whatever and. If it that, works, it works. That reminds me. Wait, did I talk about the death flag house rule I was considering on the podcast already? Did I mention yeah. that last time? Yeah, yeah. that's the um, nobody can die unless they're willing to give it all and die for a cause. Or Yeah, the, the yeah. party roundly rejected it. They said, no, really? thank you. We don't want that. Oh, cool. Oh, I was shocked. Yeah. But they said, no, death's cool. We're fine with that. And that was completely against my intuition. I was like, okay, uh, all right then. Never mind. Rock that's on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got a question. When you mentioned when you kind of develop a monster, we've heard about Craig's um, spider at the heart of eight bears. A spider that right? at the heart of eight bears. Which is kind of cool. And <laughs> I, I briefly talked about my amalgamation of um, Stephen King-inspired mist monsters. Uh, what kind of things have you kind of developed to run for your protégés to test out? Uh, a lot of times, it's not necessarily monsters, and it's more traps or scenarios or like I, I try to test out different common like there's with it like every monster has kind of different niches and like the the more that you overlap or with different scenarios you kind of add complexity to scenarios or the difficulty and unless you i feel like unless you really play around and see how your players do with all the you know maybe there's you're they're, they're fighting on some sort of log that they could fall off of well, if you want to have them on like a pirate adventure, like fighting on top of the mast where they could fall off and die, maybe try it somewhere where you know, they fall in feet and there's a poisonous centipede down there or something um, sure. where it's still kind of dangerous, but uh, it's you, less you kind of get the sense of the mechanic. Of, oh, if I ran this, just toss it at the main group. They're just they're just dead. So, right. OK, I like that. Do you find like that you lot. end up uh, trying to validate a lot of those ideas um, in play, that that's your go-to method of trying to figure out, like, I've had this idea, let's test it, uh, versus um, just uh, being willing to go straight to straight to production, so to speak, with ideas that have cropped up? I think you should test everything. And like, 
no matter how many times you test it, you're going to learn something new and or like a better way to do it, better way to run it, better way to introduce it to the players. I feel like it's really hard, really hard to have an idea that's just perfect right off the bat. I, I agree because there was one time I uh, I was overly inspired by the Dresden File series. And it, I'm not sure if you guys have read all the books or not. I read about eight, ten of them, something like that. Probably close to the end there. Uh, in the books, <laughs> Dresden mentions uh, by name a gorilla octopus like creature and he calls it an octocom so i'm like all right you know what uh, <laughs> okay. a huge gorilla head with eight freaking arms uh sounds pretty badass and i had an idea i'm like you know what a cult is gonna summon this stupid thing and they're gonna throw it at my party not everybody could show up that day so i'm like i'm gonna throw it at him anyway uh, i think there was in retrospect i think it was like a cr18 and they were like cr12 so um overly challenging if I would have run it as necessary. Uh, but again, not everybody was there. So I'm like, you know, we'll use the test environment. You guys die. It's not a big deal. It's just going to be like a dream state. It never happened. You guys are just cursed in the area or whatever. And they were cool with it. So I like the testing ability, the test idea. And I've thought about bringing the damn thing back, but I don't know how it's going to fit. Yeah. So, uh, was there a clear fit for the eight armed gorilla <laughs> head in the first place? It's, it's a critter from another world. Yeah. My, Evil cult summoned it. They were going after a cult, summoning evil shit. Fair enough. Checks out to me. <laughs> Gorilla to Kong. The, the dungeon ecology article for the the Octacong. <laughs> I, I don't know. I was overly inspired by other popular media, so um, I just took the basic phrases of what I remembered. I was like, you know what? Kraken, eight arm slam attack. Good. Sure. Perfect. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, that test environment, I like to do that. I don't, I don't call it a test environment. I'll just kind of give them the um, cheesy TV trope. Like, hey, you guys are actually just dreaming. Something wiggled in. You guys didn't need a, a will, will save because you weren't going to pass it anyway. I will also say sometimes we just play board games. But uh, the, the main like thing too. is that like consistently we do hang out during those like that, that general block of time. Mm -hmm. So... And we've been doing it for so like long it. that I feel like people just, you know, they know to keep that time, keep that yeah. time free. I, I, like I do. I do have to say that consistency is the most crucial ingredient in having a healthy gaming group. Um, every time I've ever seen somebody try to put something together and be like, yeah, we're going to play on this day. And then we'll just see when everyone else's schedules line up to schedule the next session. Two or three sessions, nothing works. Gone. Totally disintegrates. The only thing hey. I've ever seen work is we will play on this day of the week, every so often weeks, be there. That's never going to change. Yeah, that's happening yeah. to one of, one of the groups I'm currently in. I, I said I started a traveler group or I was playing in a traveler group. Yeah. It's already starting to melt a little bit with uh, the scheduling. Started on a Monday. Someone started school. The day had to shift. And then there was enough shifting. that Oh, shit. Well, that <laughs> might just melt away. Rob, what do you it, got on this one? It sucks, but uh, there's an entire um, community of meme creators that make jokes about this shit all the time. Like, hey, when's the next time we're going to play? Our schedules match up in 35 years. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it, it is the it, it's it's one of the things that actually bothers the shit out of me. And I hate to the say memes that. Or the fact that it's hard to schedule. 
uh, the scheduling issue, because Craig, like you said, we're going to meet on this day at this time. This is our schedule. And I take that seriously. Like, this is my time to hang out, chill, relax. Even though I'm DMing, I am committed. It's still relaxing. I enjoy doing this. So it's my time to see friends, get some stuff done. Um, so when I say bi-weekly, Saturdays, 5 p.m., be here, I expect people to be here. Yes, I'll schedule around holidays. But when people just don't show up or they don't want to show up, it, dude, it bothers the shit out of me. Um I would be furious if somebody no yeah. call no showed me once I'd check in and say, hey, are you OK? But the yeah. second time somebody no call no showed, I would say you need to tell me what happened or you need to excuse yourself from the table. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just one of those things. It's like I don't understand why some people have such a hard time with it. Like, I don't like planning the next game that at the end of the session um, that you're currently in. It's it sucks. It's inconsistent and it bothers it. it just bothers me. I don't, I don't, I don't ever want to be a hard ass about it, but I think that j just to be able to have a functional social experience, there need to be, you know, expectations of like, Hey, what are we going fishing again? Like, you know, yeah, I don't know. Eli, you're smiling. What do you got? The social contract. Oh yeah. Social contract <laughs> for, for earlier, for earlier discussion, please see. Yeah. Just show up to the games or just speak like adults, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's I common decency. It, it is. And I think I mentioned I rage quit an entire game as the DM, by the way, um, because somebody constantly would tell me an hour before game, like, hey, I'm not making it. I got to work overtime. Like, All right. So you probably knew a day and a half ago. You could have told me then. So, dude, I'm heated up now. I'm sorry. Irritated. Well, the hardest thing to do is find is find or create a good group. Uh, yeah, I'm actually. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think that there's a. <sighs> It's difficult to discuss. It's difficult to talk about, but I think that there's a, a pretty important split in in uh, player mentality, uh, probably GM mentality as well. But uh, but I'm speaking from a from mostly a GM's perspective on this kind of thing, between people who are showing up to play the game, and people who happen to play the game when they show up. And I think that I don't know if that's enough of a differentiation in in its description, but basically, no, you I know, don't think so. You don't think uh, it's enough of a description? It's not clear. Okay. I, um, I, yeah, I get what you're saying, but I'd like you to kind of expand that. Um, all right. So, like, for some people, at least in my experience, I have seen that some players will will turn up because the default thing to do when they show up for the social experience is to play Dungeons & Dragons or whatever you're playing that night. Mm -hmm. But it's primarily a social experience where we happen to play D&D. And the flip side of that coin is the player who is shown up to play D&D &D, and as part of that gets to enjoy the social experience of being among others. It's okay. Does that make more sense? It, yeah, that expanded definition, I think, will help a lot of people. Okay. I think that the majority of the, the problems you run into with people who just like, eh, they don't show up, they don't tell you, whatever. You know, I got something else going on, I'll tell you five minutes beforehand. I feel like they come from the group of players who regard it as a primarily social experience wherein one happens to play a game versus somebody who's like, yeah, I'm here to play the game. Y'all are my co-players, but I'm here to do this specific action. I feel that those people are reliable players. They turn up, they're polite, they're they're um, thoughtful about their experience. I, I think I one of the hardest parts about being a GM isn't necessarily even running the game, but managing the game and setting yourself up for success not nearly um, as fun yeah that's why it's hard yeah yeah it's, it's 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 not fun at all but like i i put a lot of thought into especially like when i'm starting a new game about who i invite 
to play. Um, not that I'm not willing to give new people new chances, but like I, I do know how some players like will like what what kind of roles or how they fit into a like a party, like how consistent they are, you know how like how often they like if they read the rule book or if they have like really good ideas. Um, I think I don't think fair. you need like a perfect mix, but you need a variety. I I agree, and I I, I briefly mentioned just a, a few seconds ago. I'm kind of in that stage looking for a second party. And I uh, I told you guys about the guy I rage quit over. He is actually one of my favorite players. <laughs> I invited him back uh, for the second this other campaign. I, I remain baffled about that, but okay. It, it not not the asshole guy, not the cringe or the uh, redeemed cringe lord guy. Oh, do we? By the way, I do want updates on on this gentleman if you have. Them. Oh, I, yeah, I've actually got one. By the way, um, oh, we had another campaign. He was polite well-mannered we actually talked about something prior and um i snapped at him because i'm fed up with bullshit uh, i don't know if you guys can even tell where i'm sitting not just like physically but my mental status is like i'm fed up with a lot of extra crap and i'm not mincing words very easily or well but um i didn't give him chances to really bullshit go downhill and he didn't he didn't take anything he didn't try to you know, wiggle disrespect in there to any player in particular. He was very attentive. He was driving the story, uh, both respectful all night to me, everybody else, conscious of everybody's time. Um, the kind of player that I expected him to be on session one. And what we had talked about before game had nothing to do with game at all. So hopefully... Did the gentleman find a therapist? Well, this just seems night and day compared. <laughs> you know what? I'm not sure, but I think... Um, I think what we had talked about, which the only reason I, I don't want to mention any sort of details here is primarily because um, it's easier to remain vague and have. Oh, all yeah. Of don't out be happy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yep, so, um, but <clears throat> I think he kind of caught on to what I was saying is that there was still a little bit of a rational thought with what he was debating prior to game. Um, so he was he was good. I liked it. I'm glad that he was there. Everybody else had a good time with him. No complaints. It was solid. And if we can keep that up, we're good. If I got to talk to him like that every two weeks, not good. So I'll know next game. Um, do do no harm, but take no shit, man. Yeah, really. Uh, this other guy, though, um, the one I rage quit my entire campaign over is primarily because he kept telling me about overtime uh, really, really late to the game. I invited him back because he's the same player that still talks about when he played as a cleric and he lost his ability to speak with his god. Um, when he does show up, he's a good player. Right. And okay. uh, he has a habit of showing up. He just happens to have a 50-50 split with habit of having overtime that he doesn't know about until ah. an hour before game. Um, so... We're giving it a try, but I'm looking for newer players too. And I found at least three players who don't have as much experience in the Pathfinder system, but are at least old time players or have played 5e first and for a few months. So they have experience. And I love having new players at the table. I love teaching the game. I love bringing new people in and experiencing it. Because that mix Eli's talking about is super important to me, not just as uh, we sit at the table or, or game, but because of what you had mentioned as well, Craig. I want players who want to be here. That mm. is what I'm trying to get. Um, 
eventually I, I like to grow my pool. So anytime I've got a good idea, I can pick from players I know that are going to rock that world, um, which is generally what I try to get. But it's going to be a bitch. I'm going to have to it's, bark. It's this. worth it though. It's worth it it trying, to, trying to get the get the right mix. The hard part is um is when you accumulate people and you realize like okay wait like I've got you know nine people in the pool and I, there's definitely a top five among them or a top six among them and you're like all right do we just sort of not not feed the bottom three in terms of you know like you don't want to you don't want to be passive about it but you know being active about saying hey you uh, you didn't make the cut like that's rough. Man, that's a really hard conversation to have. I wouldn't want to have it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a solution for that kind of thing. Well, if am I correct in understanding that you run like one one game and then it like it, it replaces you go on to the next system and but there's generally kind of one game. Um, um at the moment I actually have multiple groups going on, but it's it's yeah, the sort of serial monogamy as it were is is probably an accurate description. Yeah. I don't, I, have... run an, I don't run an open table and I don't run yeah. a table that has more players than I expect to show up every time. So I have, I have one group that's just like a large group um, and we just play we every Sunday. But then I also start new games, new new shorter campaigns, and I'll run it with... That's when I like to try to bring in uh, all the other people that... Like, I try not to invite many people from... Like, if I do, I'll invite one person from that main campaign to play in that secondary campaign. But... Um, I also don't like to always play with the same group. Uh, Got to mix it yeah. up. I agree. And as much as I love playing with, I'll call my core. Um, I got two core groups, I guess. I got a core group I will play with, and I got a core group I will DM for. They are not the same groups. Um, <clears throat> I, I enjoy both aspects. And when I'm a player, I like to sit down at that particular table. Um, I don't like to branch out too much primarily because I've experienced a lot of, I don't want to say bad DMs, but maybe uh, a little lazier or more restrictive DMs, people who aren't as prepared or they're way too um, controlling, micromanaging for a party, and it doesn't fit my general play style. So I have something interesting that's coming up, and I, I haven't really talked about it much because I didn't know if it was going to get off the ground, but it's kind of like this group of GMs that, goes and runs conventions mm -hmm. and runs events at conventions for Hackmaster. Yeah. And we always see each other, but we never really get to play in each other's games because we're always running. Right. Uh, well, starting on Monday, we're, we had a session zero and starting on Monday, we're going to have our first session, but we're all playing in a game together. Hey, one of the GMs right. is running. And so I'm very interested to see how it goes. Cause I know we all have very, you know, like, you know, we have different DMing, styles and you know slightly different rules and how we like to run it and so i'm You're very interested to see having how it goes yeah but, man that ought to be fascinating how many people are in this group it's all gms uh, i think it's five or six i don't remember uh, how i think it's i think it's five I think it's five that's big news eli how have you kept it from us for that long well like, this is like that is what every one of us kind of aspires to like having. Hey man, birds fly, grass grows, and things groups fall apart. So until it's a real thing, you know, you don't want to say it. I, That's true. You don't want to jinx it. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to jinx it. And session zeros can come and go, but until you really have that session one on the books, um, then 
I mean, we still got until Monday, so. Well, look, Ben, hey, uh, knock on wood and uh, spit and turn three times, and hopefully your first session goes well. We'd love to hear about how that goes. Yeah, I'm very sure. excited. I'm trying right. to figure out how um, how much beer to ask my players to praise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you up for bribes? Because depending on how much you... You're willing to give away. <laughs> we we uh we fully and officially transitioned over the Monday game from uh from being completely remote to being in person now. Um we've got nice. the one fully remote guy. Uh he's actually up in Seattle. Um he's on uh you know, he's the big talking head, and we put him on a laptop and point him at the table. Um but I I have an in-person game that I'm regularly running now. You know, make a big pot of chili, pass it out, and start it off recommended enough to yeah. have like a rotating schedule of of food and or drinks so wow. if you're just providing food every time sure but then have one player bring the beer every session or do the food and the beer separately but there you go rotating uh then everyone feels equal in it and cooking uh, so, for people anyway so it's like hey tonight's night we're going to do the bulk cooking so y'all get a pot of chili or y'all get like a bunch of spaghetti or something like that um but yeah no i think we maybe we rotate hey you bring the beer next time or something to that effect yeah then so, no one ever feels like resentful and there's not really any like keeping track of how much anything costs it's just you know you, you bring what you can or we show up with six bottles of wine and the session gets it turns into bacchanalia so we can figure it out i got a question here yeah, yeah what's up um i haven't established like a food order or drink order kind of thing because we haven't we all kind of fend for ourselves how would I go about politely bringing that idea up? Uh, are you excusing yourself from the rotation or are you saying, hey, let's do this to make no, some I sense would, to it? I would include myself and I would even you know, consider starting first because mm -hmm. that way, hey, I'm hosting. Um, I'd like to provide some stuff for you guys. Let's figure out a rotation. Just, just do that because I think it's a we, great idea. We started with pizza when I, when I first started doing it where you'd bring – pizza like we and then we eventually we had like a pizza order that you could just you could bring or know to bring oh one veggie one meat one cheese whatever um and then people could bring pizza from wherever they frozen pizza that i mean we were in college so that's how we started with a lot of frozen pizzas so that's fair um, i think you ask hey this is an idea i want to get people to do it um how do you all feel about it and if somebody's like hey i'm not there for it then they have an opportunity to step out otherwise say like look this is what's going to be expected we're going to do the rotation here's what it is and you got to, I think it applies also to the sort of thing we were talking about earlier, where you have to treat people like adults and expect that they're going to be upfront with you and have reasonable conversations with you. Um, I've gotten myself into trouble by um, assuming that things would be more difficult than they actually were and beginning right off the bat with some kind of countermeasure to correct for a difficulty that had not emerged yet. Okay. Um I think just be real. Just say, here's the idea. I'd like to get you all uh, involved in it. And if somebody says, mm, I don't know about that, then okay, talk to them. But we, we, I had a group that there were just four of us and three of us, we'd always meet at 5.30 and three of us would eat and the other person would come. They'd still show up at 5.30 and hang out with us, because but they'd have dinner before and they'd just hang out and chat. So... Yeah, I, I like that. And um, I, I don't mind providing some food when people show up a little early, especially if I invite them over early. Like, hey, let's work on some, some of these things. I'll make some dinner for us, um, get everything situated. But a full rotation sounds kind of cool. I do have a little bit larger of a party, so 
cheaper food is definitely not a mm. bad and none of us are picky so it should work out pretty well um other than that you mentioned wine and do you let your well this is your first game like in person so have you guys when you did your in-person games uh how do you guys feel about drinking at the table nobody that i've ever played with has gotten i mean are, are we dropping f-bombs on this podcast do, do we do that now I, you know what i've said enough i'm gonna have to mark this episode explicit anyway <laughs> really okay <laughs> yeah yeah um nobody nobody uh gets completely uh smashed at my games that would that would uh, that just gets difficult to manage um i'm a lightweight so i have to play it pretty cool with how much i'm drinking um unless we have decided to play a game where it is a drinking game we once played a game um called the skeletons which is not a drinking game as written. It is a semi-serious meditation on the passage of time. You play skeletons defending a dead sorcerer's tomb. And every time you begin a portion of the game, it's a single session game. You turn the lights on and you say, you, you know, the skeletons, you have awoken from your, your slumber and you must defend the tomb from intruders. And, and after you resolve that, it's a pretty simple system. You say, okay, the skeletons return to their slumber and you turn the lights out and you sit there in darkness and silence in the room for an increasing length of time. The first one's 20 seconds or so. And then by the, by the end of it, by the fifth iteration, you're sitting in darkness and silence for a full five minutes. What? But, um, and every time we finished the section where we were playing as the skeletons, it was like, okay, it is time to return to your, you know, your slumber do a shot um and i think over the course of maybe an hour and a half we were about five shots in of bourbon um and sitting in the dark five shots in <laughs> in complete silence uh while you think deep thoughts about the passage of time and being a skeleton uh is a unique role-playing experience i would encourage anyone of legal drinking age to partake in um <laughs> here let's do it yeah, uh, we don't, um, I, we've had a couple, like in my, in my groups that now plays, I'm, we're all at home. I, there's some people that drink. There's some people that dance with the jazz cabbage. Um, there's, uh, please continue. <laughs> so there's that, but no one ever gets, uh, too rough. Although, um, my dad was really into uh, micro shots for a while. He really what likes micro shot. <laughs> a bad idea. So he's <laughs> toothpaste cap full of liquid. Um, so he, he really, really likes like limes and lemons. And okay. so he was like, I really hate it when like I like tequila. So he's like, I'd, I'd cut a, I'd, I'd have a shot of tequila with a lemon, and then I just have to waste the lemon. I just have to eat the whole lemon. Um, which kind of gets bored. Wait, 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 wait. Is your pop one of those people who will just eat a whole lemon like an apple? Not like an apple, but he'll he'll slice it and then he'll see him like walking around with just like a little tray of sliced lemons. And okay, because my friend was recently working the uh, the intake line of a haunt, um, and I think he told me that he watched somebody just eat an entire lemon like an apple while they were <sighs> standing in line. Oh, and it's, no. like, it's like hearing about a fucking cryptid, like. Wow. You saw it, but that can't be real. Sorry, tell me about your father's tequila. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he'd, he'd be like, oh, instead of taking one shot with one slice and wasting a lemon, I'll take 
six micro shots. <laughs> what is a micro shot? It's not like it's not one sixth of a shot. I'll tell you that. It's probably more. You just like a you just like a, a story about your father's drinking. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was he was like, oh no, it's totally not. It's just a micro shot. And so he quickly realized that that was he'd be he'd be getting a little intense. Uh-huh. I, but, I mean, I uh, imagine he's not he's not you know <laughs> pouring pouring the mezcal into the graduated cylinder and measuring the meniscus here. Like, <laughs> no, uh, you just do it for D and D sessions and uh, uh, wasn't doing it anymore. Wait, uh, I didn't realize that this is your father was was playing at the D and D session. Oh yeah, he plays in oh. in my Sunday game. So that's that's really listen, cool. <laughs> does, yeah. does he listen to this? Uh, I have no idea. But uh, sir, sir. You're an inspiration think, to us, sir. We don't think you're an alcoholic, but we're all going to take six <laughs> micro shots. <laughs> he he gave up. Uh, he, he did like keto for a while and so no, stopped wait, drinking hold for on, that. Hold on. I want to I want to say that I respect you, sir, very deeply for not wasting any citrus. <laughs> say what you will about the alcohol, but to waste citrus would truly be a crime. And same thing to Craig's haunt guy who just watched the dude eat a lemon. <laughs> I, I could never do that. Yeah. No. Oh. Um, I'd peel it first. Oh, but long story short, there's there's a like little bit of drinking in my games now. It doesn't All bother right. me, but I I did like when I went to college, I was like, I'm just gonna force my friends to play D and D with me. And I was on the ultimate frisbee team and definitely lived in a party house. And so sometimes it would be like, Hey, we're gonna play like we would play house games where just people would be like there's four of us here let's just play a game and so frequently it would be like friday night and we'd be like let's play some D D. if you roll a one you have to take a shot um, um and so um i have played a number of those games and well they're interesting <laughs> yeah talking I... about waking up later and it was all a dream <laughs> <laughs> I, cannot possibly be canon i i i had to institute don't show up to my house intoxicated in a two drink maximum holy shit <laughs> i think each one of us plays with very different people well, yeah the, i've never had someone be like like the lone person show up wasted i have had people play uh like some people roll up and be on like lsd or I, mushrooms mm-hmm. um but usually they they like they clear it with the group before they do it. Yeah, my uh, my player came up. Uh, their intoxication was more uh, drug induced, and they were generally pretty chill, but sometimes pretty loopy. It was uh, hard to game with, and it became more of a distraction. Uh, one of my players doesn't get to drink at home, so he drinks when he can when he goes out. So I'm like, all right, we'll have a few drinks. He brought something stronger than normal. Uh, got really shit-faced in fact i think we all got shit-faced by the way uh nothing got happened except for he destroyed my battle mat because he spilled two drinks all over my battle mat and what does like, alcohol do to a chessex mat by the way does it just not through it like no 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 it's it's fine I, no, the chessex oh. max is fine i was using yeah. my uh my cheap one because we were drinking and okay. it was a all laminated right. one so it actually ended up starting peeling in the corner oh. I taped, it, taped it back down i used it for my travel games when i did the there library thing um but because of that situation, I'm like, yeah, no, two, two max were good. We're not going to do this shit drunk as fuck. I, there's some stains here and there on my, I've got like an eight foot Chessex map. Uh, nice. That I had. 
By the way, shout out to two random people in Montana and Michigan who both had the same vehicle. I bought the same size ginormous plywood to take back to be a gaming table. What do you know? Both times it didn't fit into my car. Both times some random stranger was like, want me to take that to your house for you? Wow. And they did. That's nice. Wait, you bought the same table twice? Well, like I bought like giant plywood for the table because I just put folding oh. tables down okay. and then with just giant table. Um, bought the same size table both times. Same vehicle. So you knew it was going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh no. Oh, I After forgot you that did this it a second happened. time. <laughs> <laughs> but the important part is that just before is that even though those those purchasing decisions went the way that they did, you didn't waste any limes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, okay, never mind. <laughs> no, that's good though. That's good. See, I'm, I so I got this uh four by ten, five by I think it's four by ten, forty-eight inches by 120 inch conference table with a glass top. Oh, and the one that nearly broke your hand off. Yes, able fact, to. That's still swollen in the one spot, by the way. So S seek medical aid. Uh, it, I have it. It's not broken, um, <laughs> but the the medical definition I don't remember. The doctor explained to me though that it's very similar to when somebody gets a concussion uh, in the head. There's a soft membrane over the bone that can actually bruise and swell, and that can take months to go down. Do you That's... have compartment syndrome in your hand? Dang. I have no idea. No, oh no, wait, so. no, no, no. That's that's way more serious. You'd lose the hand. Never mind. You're good. Never mind. Yeah, it's no, fine. It's, it still works. Don't Google. Don't but... Google that, <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Uh, but anyhow, I've been looking for a solid uh, grid to put under the glass top, um, mm -hmm. and I found a printing company that will do it for a hundred some dollars. Like that sounds pretty good. Hundred and three bucks. Yeah, not bad. But right now, what I've done is tried to use graph paper and only one review was good enough to say all the lines are square inches they lied so if you have to cover a tire conference table with grid guys don't just go big yeah eli you got a solution i need to hear it if if you know you're going to have a dungeon ahead of time you can cut out cardboard like uh, uh like cereal box cardboard uh-huh and then draw lines on the back of it or even like glue down grids onto the back of it. And then you can have it like down, face down and flip it, or you can just have numbers on the back, toss it I out. I like that. That's how I do conventions. Um, and it makes things real fast. Home, like homemade dungeon tiles, basically. Yeah, homemade dungeon tiles. Just That's pretty back. cool. Yeah. Now, Craig, with you going back to uh, an in-person game, which yeah. is something that you were kind of excited about, Extremely uh, mentioned excited. Stuff. do you go all out? Do you put stuff on the table? Do you play primarily theater of the mind? I mean, so it's a question that's that's looming large in my mind. Um, we were in the middle of an adventure. We were in the middle of playing the Emerald Enchanter, um, which I think I think Charlie Stroh wrote that. It's a DCC adventure. Um, no, Joseph Goodman wrote the Emerald Enchanter. Um, but uh, it's great stuff. It's good fun. Um, and I had been running it online. Um, so I had the map all drawn out. I had it all you know, put together. I'm, I'm using Foundry. Um, big fan for a virtual tabletop. I love Foundry. Um, good system. I, I run it through Forge um, so that they host it for you. It's like five bucks, ten bucks a month, something like that. Super worth it. Um, there is even a great Foundry module for Hackmaster. 
Oh, My nice. friend Nocturne is coding it, and when uh, small secret, when he finishes doing it, I'm pr- probably going to switch away from the roll twenty that I use and have coded. <laughs> so nice. Foundry's Foundry's that good. Yeah, even with like that level of investment in roll twenty, like that's that was the switch that I made as well. Anyway, um, uh, unsolicited plug for Foundry aside, um, I'm still using it for my other games, but for the in-person stuff, I, I had the maps already other, so we mostly did everything theater of the mind. Um, I had the battle men out, I had the markers in front of me, um, and for the final major encounter, um, I sketched the room out and I put some stuff down and I had miniatures down and I was, you know, poker chips and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, but the next adventure, uh... I, I need to decide, like, okay, we're going to do this in person. How am I going to do this? If I've got images, am I going to print them out ahead of time? You know, what am I going to do for this dungeon? And, I, and it is a dungeon layout, you know? it's It's got some stuff on it. You know, spoilers. I, know, I actually know that for sure one of my Monday players listens to this. Hi, Edvar. Not his real name. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll have to figure it out. Um, mostly I am excited now that I can use props. Mm-hmm. I have all kinds of stupid crap all around my house. I've got crystal spheres and I've got weird stuffed things and I've got statues and swords and all kinds. Of, and I can and now I can pass these around and I can hand them to people. So like, I don't really mind so much the dungeon layout because DCC doesn't really need a grid to be played on. Um, it, the, the game is not, many of the games that I run are not written specifically. It was like, you must have a grid. If you can't measure out your fireball radius, you're out of luck. Um, but it helps for some, in some cases, mostly I just, the overwhelming joy of being able to look people physically in the eye while we're playing, um, except for Edvar, who's the remote one, um, <laughs> is, uh, is overwhelmingly good. Um. But yeah, I'm definitely looking for opportunities to really take advantage of that in-person thing. I got some candles I can light for the scent. Like, problem is that I, I think part of it takes place in a sewer, so nobody but me is going to like that. So, oh well, we'll figure it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hackmaster is ran gridless or can be ran gridless. So, and I I do a lot of like tabletop wargaming as well. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a a mix of terrain and things that i can use to to set up in game in person games mm. um, i think a a long term goal is to get and build some like 3d dungeon uh for one of the eli cons that we do when my gaming groups get together and play oh so um there was a there was a ben milton thing um on his questing beast uh youtube channel recently where he not recently but in recent memory where he talks about the utility of what are essentially like i think it's like one inch wooden cubes you can order online like yeah you can get your dwarven forge stuff where everything is like custom built out and you know you need to have this l shape for the dungeon and god help you if you don't have it and but he's like no one inch cubes glue them together color them color them brown or green or black and, and there you go um that may be in in the spirit of your um, your sort of bespoke dungeon tile thing. A little bit of wood glue, pop pop pop. There's your setup. You know, I have a I have a friend that likes to build uh, houses and buildings for war games, mm-hmm. where they'll they'll print out like resin bricks and mortar, and then build it like a Lego or even brick by brick. Oh, the amount of details prints out individual insane. resin bricks and mortars Oof. them together. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll share some pictures of some of the work that uh, he does, but he is absolutely insane modder, modeler. I am um, flabbergasted at that concept. It is gorgeous. So uh, 
the unfortunately the listeners aren't going to be able to see what I'm going to show you guys, but um, it's funny. Dwarven Forge got its start with um, non-plastic, non-resin uh, dungeon material, so they were actually all like these uh, printed, not printed. These are um, cast molded uh, dental um, plaster. So it's my a hard, God, a hard Rob, plaster. Why is it so hairy? Oh God, I know. Right, this is actually just a white brick. <laughs> um, oh, fine, ruin so it, will you? These. These specific, because I do a lot of stuff for Epic Table Games, trying to figure out great um, great molds and everything. These molds, which, again, you can't see for the plastic uh, plaster, as Eli was mentioning, and Craig, you as well, these little tiny bricks come, and you have to glue them together. I have to make 22 full castings of these bricks to get a single one-story house uh, from Bill Hurst molds. Serious question. Why not? Why not just cast the wall as a single piece? Um, you can do a lot more with the individuals. You can. It's it's way more versatile to do individuals. And then the larger the piece that you're making, uh, especially when you look at interior side of the wall, exterior side of the wall, plus the top of the wall, you should have your flat bottom, which is a deep pour and hard to do near flawlessly. And it's hard to get out. Ah, deep pour. Okay. Yeah, that's the big thing. Uh, but that's technical stuff, and we don't really have time to go into that because we're getting <laughs> to the end of the episode. Um, I, I but... will say hobbyists do love building, and yeah. part of part of that is is why it can be done like that. It's just it's it's fun. I, I yeah. sit and paint and build for hours. It's it's fantastic, and even though, like I said, Epic Table Games, we have our uh, we have our small collection of things that haven't hit the website yet because I've just been really slow and enjoying time away from the technical aspect. Uh, telling people, teaching people how to get their hands on some of these really cool things is awesome. Like, even if you don't buy my shit, buy something to make 3D stuff and have a good time. So, I dig it. Guys, any uh, words of advice as we close out this episode? No? Rubbing alcohol feels really bad uh, on uh, your fingers if you bite your nails a lot, so uh, be careful with that. Biting your nails is gross anyway. Challenge your players with new social situations. Uh, you weren't specific. I didn't know what the topic for advice was. Ah, you know what? How about you guys check out epictablegames.com, subscribe to our episode lists, and send us a voice message. We're still waiting for one, but I did get an email recently. Um, I'll tell you guys about that later. Any ratings and reviews helps. Absolutely. Good ones are preferred, but, you know, do what you can. <laughs> we'll see you guys see next time. time.